Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. Today, we have with us uh, Crypto Twitter's fearless leader, Gabriel Haynes. Gabriel, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Crypto Texan. You gave me high praise there. Well, you know, I think... One of your more recent claims to fame has been these Twitter videos that you've been putting out, which people just love. But first, let's kind of get started on just your background and, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into crypto and DeFi? And I don't know, what did you do, I guess, pre-crypto? Pre-crypto? I was also making content. I was actually doing uh, hummus videos. So if you go on my YouTube channel and scroll all the way back, you can see me go to various hummus places in and around Tel Aviv. And uh, I would do a review. Uh, I would say this hummus tastes good. It has this good accompaniment. A whole different, all these criteria. Definitely check that out if you're interested in hummus. I got into crypto early 2020. Because of the, the crash, there was a big crash, as we all remember, the COVID crash. And the government said they're going to start printing money. And I remembered from my past that Bitcoin was kind of a solution to this problem. So I started to dive deep into uh, Bitcoin and learn everything I could learn about it. And at some point, as you're learning Bitcoin, you realize that there's other things going on. There's Ethereum. There's all these other different apps on it. But the more I dove into it, uh, I realized that a lot of activity and a lot of the you know, innovation was happening on Ethereum. So I started to just very deeply research it, to use all the apps I could. And one of the key things I did was started to make videos, tutorials, like explanations, content about what these apps were doing. So that also... People could understand them a little bit better, but also so that I could learn. Because through the content creation, you uh, have to have some sort of foundational understanding. And also, if you make a mistake, people are very quick to tell you. So that is uh, how I got into crypto and what I started doing when I got involved. Yeah, so what are some of the like early apps that you were working on with those YouTube videos? Like, What were some of the early apps that were catching your eye that you decided to make videos about? The first app was was YFI. I did um, the first like kind of crypto video I did was just an explanation of YFI, how it came to be, a background of the project. It started with the Earn protocol, and then it transformed into the, the, the yield aggregators. This was at the time when the YFI token was really really hot. Blue Kirby was at his uh, powers, full powers. That got me really excited. I feel like at the time, Wi-Fi had a lot of energy. There was a lot of excitement about it. And uh, yeah, so that's what got me started. And then you've started to, well, then you did a podcast too for a while, right? Or are you still doing that podcast? Kind of took a break. I had a baby two months ago. So I haven't really been able to, I don't have the time to set everything up and take an hour to talk to someone. And it's it's too much work. But I will get, <clears throat> I will get back to it. Well, that's good. For, for the record, I, I was a fan of that podcast, and I haven't seen any updates from it come across my you know Apple podcast feed in a while. So you know, I kind of asked that question for my own benefit there. But I, I guess like just 
I don't know, like what made you want to start doing a podcast? And uh, throughout that podcast, who were some of your favorite guests that you had on? I was actually started to do interviews before crypto. I would try to, I'd always kind of wanted to start a podcast. I was always a big fan of podcasts. And I always thought that I probably could do a podcast if I wanted to. And I thought it might be fun. So I started, um, you know, just my friends uh, or whoever I thought would be interested to speak to me. Um, so that was pre-crypto. And then actually, this is a fun fact, the first crypto product, the first crypto guest I had on the podcast, the first crypto podcast episode was with Overanalyzer. I've been able to meet so many good people through the podcast. Uh, Loom Dart, for example, is one that really comes to mind. Just to hear him speak, his thought processes, things that he thinks about. That was a great conversation. I had a great conversation with Fiscantes a couple times. The one with uh, Zeus from Olympus, that was pretty good. Those are the ones that I'm thinking of right now. I had no idea that Overanalyzer was uh, your first crypto-related podcast. He is a... Indeed. Well, in my opinion, Overanalyzer is a legend in the Index Co-op community. Um, wow, that, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one. One of my favorite ones that you did was uh, the one with Alex Guzman from NFTX. And just kind of hearing his perspective on the metaverse and NFTs, I thought that was uh, really interesting. Yeah, that was a great one. That was uh, kind of, I believe that was December of last year. That was right before NFTs really started to take hold. But yeah, that was a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting to hear his insights on that. And so I guess recently you've kind of transitioned just from a, well, you're doing a lot of stuff in the content creating space that we'll get to, but some of the more popular ones have been just these Twitter videos that you've been doing, I guess, just like kind of just some meta crypto Twitter videos. And then also you kind of get a little political on some. And, you know, my favorite video that you have out there is the one where you're calling out uh, Gary Gensler and Senator Warren. Uh, that one kind of went viral a little bit. Uh, so I'm just curious, like, where did the inspiration for some of these videos come from? It's really interesting that you picked that one because I did an interview with Coindesk yesterday and they also, um, they showed that clip before we did the interview. And that is not like one of my more popular videos. I've had like some of the videos have gotten way more than that. I think that it's interesting because that video is the most serious one that actually has uh, a message that people in crypto especially resonate with. And, you know, that message is that, you know, the institutions are failing us. You're getting vaxxed. You have to do all these things. You're getting told what to do. A lot of people don't like that. And that's kind of the core ethos of Bitcoin is, is this idea that the, 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 what is it? The prime minister is bailing out the banks that, you know, the government doesn't need to control your money. Uh, you can make your own decisions. You can have this self-custody. So that particular video, I think, is just expressing some of those thoughts that many people in crypto have. And I think you're right. It's worth noting that I would say 98% of those videos that you're producing are not necessarily politically related or politically motivated. 
but you do have this very unique way. I guess just like the voice you you use and the way you project your voice, uh, you can take a very serious topic in like a kind of a tongue in cheek way. You've got this way of portraying it as, "Hey, this is something very serious that needs to be said," and I'm just kidding, but also I'm not kidding, and you should take this seriously, <laughs> right? And I think that's it's a very tough line. Uh, to draw. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. But you've got this almost crypto Twitter general tone to your voice to rally the people. One of your other videos was, I I laughed so hard when you were like, you know, Christmas is over, it's time to stop shilling your shit coins to your grandparents. And I don't know, man, it's just great content. But then you also, you know, you, you call out other Twitter personalities in these videos as well. So do you want to talk about some of those personalities you call out? Uh, you know, are you being serious? Are you joking? And do you have any crypto Twitter adversaries? I don't think I have no crypto Twitter adversaries, but famously, I have famously all of crypto Twitter knows my bout with crypto messiah. That was really fun. Um, yeah, he, he, that, that one was pretty fun because he was actually playing along where where most people on crypto Twitter are not actually willing to make videos of themselves, you know, saying ridiculous things or doing ridiculous things. He was willing to go the extra mile. I think that gave me a lot of motivation to just go crazier and crazier. One video that I think is interesting is the, uh, where I called out Bantag for looking at cartoon boobies. I think that is pretty, it's pretty funny because people have this interesting expectation of finance it's got to be a suit. You got to have. You got to be buttoned up. And uh, Bantag, you know, he's kind of breaking that, that mold. And and also, you know, Dijin Spartan has been, uh, you know, sharing hentai for a long time. But it's like, who who are you to tell someone uh, what porn to watch or what to do? It's so so. It's like taking a, a look at that that situation and, and and seeing how people react. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's just part of the crypto and decentralized finance metaverse ethos is that it is a it is anti-establishment, right? I mean, we've got billion-dollar protocols uh, called sushi, right? And you know, Ave, you know, a ghost, you know, and so crypto is a place to where you know the code is taken very seriously, but people behind the code they don't have to be suit and ties like you're saying and they can post these uh waifu pictures on twitter and it really doesn't matter because they should be judged by the products they're producing and the content they produce and not necessarily who they are or what they want to do in their free time or their hobbies right yeah i i totally get that in the same vein of on the gary gensler and senator warren post that you did and you know the anti-establishment kind of ethos in in twitter and crypto twitter and crypto in general like where do you think this lack of institutional uh and lack of government trust comes from just your thoughts oh well the lack of trust i mean i think that people have a sense that they're being shortchanged on many things even if they can't necessarily say what 
they're being shortchanged on. I think that the, the government, you know, they're the system of government we have is kind of broken. And when you elect someone to run a country or run a state, whatever it is, this person has their own self-interests. And, and it's not in a bad way. Every person has their own self-interest. You have to make sure that you're fed, that you're in good health, your family's in good health, you want to take care of your friends. And that is just a natural way for humans to be. And when you have people in power for so long that they don't necessarily remember their mission or maybe they never had a mission. But the thing is, the incentives are in such a way that they're not going to succeed and it's not going to benefit the people at large. It's going to benefit them and their friends. And again, I'm not trying to blame them for this, but I think that it's just how the system is set up. So what I, I, don't, I don't even remember the question, but I'm not a big fan of the government. Yeah, I, the question was just, where do you feel like that lack of institutional and government trust came from? Um, I don't know if you wanted to continue to elaborate, if you felt like you, you got that one covered. No, I, I just think that's, that people, feel like inflation, like you could take this idea of inflation, right? People don't necessarily know what it means technically or economically, what it means to print money and causing inflation. But at the end of the day, they go to the grocery store and they see that, wow, things are more expensive now for some reason. And that feeling of being left behind or not being taken care of, I think, is what caused. Yeah, and you make a really good point, too, that, I mean, anytime someone's saying something on Twitter or on a podcast or on the television, they've got some incentives behind what they're saying, right? It's like, what is the purpose? Everyone's shielding their own bags in one way or another. Some are just very blatant about it, and some are, I get a little inconspicuous about it. But, you know, it's like when I'm on Twitter and I'm tweeting about the DeFi Pulse Index and the Metaverse Index and the Index token, uh, it's because I, you know, I am a contributor to Index, right? Or any other just random projects that I happen to be involved with right now. It's because I have a, an interest in that. And I, I also find myself sometimes... You know, it's like, okay, I need to tweet about other projects that I'm not necessarily invested in to maybe make myself appear more reliable. And But th there's, there's a self-interest there, too, is because I still want to appear like I'm not being biased by talking about other protocols, right? I think that when it really comes down to it, just human, the way humans work is we're all shilling our own bags in one way or another. And I think that crypto is a way that you can hard code those incentives to not be that way. And that's, and I'm sure you agree why I think, you know, web three and crypto is inevitable. And I don't know, what are your thoughts? Like, why do you think that crypto and web three is inevitable, Gabriel? Well, uh, what you were saying, it's not that I don't think that it's necessarily you can hard code the incentives, but you can the, the incentives can be a lot more transparent. And that's the key thing. So as long as people know what's going on, like you have in your bio, I'm sure index contributor, right? It's not a secret. 
And I think that is the key. But we could take this idea of incentives out of crypto. We've seen this on TV all the time on CNN. They're saying, you know, take the vaccine, take the vaccine. And at the end of the day, they're sponsored by Pfizer. So you can see, like, why are they talking about the vaccine? They're shilling their bags. They're getting money from this, right? Web3 cuts out a lot of the middlemen, though it makes processing a lot faster, a lot cheaper, can create these open incentives so people actually know what people are holding. Now, not necessarily there's ways to hide it, but generally speaking, you know, people know how to find what others, you know, incentives are. And, you know, we, we, we've seen this in the government. I, I forgot who it was, Elizabeth, Nancy Pelosi or Elizabeth Warren. One of them said uh, we should be able to trade stocks because it's a free market. Well, you know, she's creating bills to promote the companies that she's invested in. I mean, obviously there's something going wrong here, right? So, you know, TradFi, the, the TradFi system is, 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 very, is very slow, corrupt in many places. It's not been innovated upon. And that's where crypto comes in. Absolutely. And so just kind of looking back on this year, all of 2021, it's been a hell of a year for crypto. And this is the last podcast I'm doing before the new year. So I think it's important to kind of take a look back. And Gabriel, you just happen to be the one on this podcast that we're going to look back at. What were some of the just key points that you feel like really pushed crypto to the main stage this year? I can think of a, a few things, but I, I just kind of wanted to get your take on like what were some of the bigger stories that really propelled Web3 to be where it is today going into 2022? Well, Elon was a big shill this year. He talked a lot about crypto, and that was only this year. I think at the end of last, like last year, he wasn't really like he had mentioned it, but this year he went full force. And I think that makes a big difference. It's just a compounding of things. I think that the technology is improving, that now we have different L1s that are very fast. So you have, you have a good competition that actually, that actually works. People can deploy apps cheaply. So you could actually, you know, have users on different chains, experiment different things. And of course, the like like the inflation plays a big role in that. Um, people don't necessarily you know want to hold dollars, or they recognize that dollars are not the best way to uh, store your wealth. Um, so yeah, those those are some of the things. Elon was a huge shill for Bitcoin and Doge, um, which are two very interesting ones to be shills about. But you also talked about you know the importance of other L1s popping up and, and being fast and effective. What other L1s are you experimenting with outside of Ethereum? I know you're very involved with Ethereum, but just like what other protocols are you looking at? AVAX, Arbitrum, Polygon. Those are some that I use. There's not one other specific one that it, I think is like a massive breakthrough. I mean, they're all kind of the same. But uh, just the ability to deploy something cheaply and to have transactions cheaply, it helped progress. Yeah, so do you feel like Ethereum has, quote-unquote, abandoned its users? No, I don't even know what that means. People still want to use Ethereum. That's why the fees are high. 
that's just Sue talking his back. <laughs> well, I don't know what that was. Yeah, right. Exactly what we were just <laughs> talking about, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's him just talking his back. And he completely ignores, um, you know, scaling solutions, which work. Arbitrum works very well. Our optimism works very well. ZK works well. I mean, there's limited amount of apps up there, but I mean, the ones that do, they work. So slowly but surely, I think that people will migrate. There'll be some, I, I don't know how you're going to attract users. Maybe there'll be some like huge incentive programs to pull people over there. Um, but over time, you know, naturally people are going to migrate to the best solutions for them. And if you're a hardcore DeFi app that, you know, needs max security, then you probably deploy on Ethereum. But if you're like some NFT wool game, you don't need to be, you know, you, you can take some, some lesser security measures. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, incentives are really is what's going to drive people to layer twos, right? I mean, AVAX had Avalanche Rush, which just like just exploded their growth, right? So I could, I think it's just has to come down to Arbitrum and Optimism issuing a token and people just throwing all their assets onto those layer twos to, you know, take advantage of those incentives. So let's talk about some of the other projects that you've been involved in lately. Let's start with, is it Clip2DAO or CliptoDAO? Clipto. Okay, so what is CliptoDAO? And uh, how did this idea come about? Well, very simply, it's a crypto version of Cameo. So you'll be able to request personalized content from your favorite creator paying crypto obviously and then you will receive the content as an nft uh which you know you could do with nfts you know what you can do with those (laughs) that's the idea it came about because i was doing these short form videos and there was a lot of people asking me if i could go on cameo and so i i signed up but cameo didn't reply so that's kind of the classic crypto story. Your warlock gets nerfed. Your bank account shuts you down. PayPal doesn't let you open an account. So you got to go the crypto route. So I basically put together basically a plea to CT, t- explaining the idea, telling people what I wanted. For me personally, I thought it would be cool if this product existed. For me, you know, I'd be happy to get paid in crypto and give people NFTs. So there were enough people that actually got interested in this idea. And uh, we got into uh, Discord and started working. And the devs have really worked their asses off the last two weeks to make something happen. And we are very, very close to launch. I saw the test, the website today, the test website looks great. Very excited about that. And we're going to be having a launch party um, in the Williamsburg Hotel in New York at on January 3rd at 7. I don't know if anyone in the audience is in New York, but you're more than invited to come. That's what I'm working on right now. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. And yeah, you're right. That is kind of the story of crypto is you kind of get shut out by Web2 for whatever reason. And the solution is, well, if I can't use this Web2 platform, I guess I'll just build my own Web3 platform. So uh, is this going to be launched on Polygon or Ethereum? What are y'all looking at from that standpoint? 
right now we're leaning polygon like i said cheap fees easy cheaper to deploy also i want to test it out you know who knows maybe this product is not very exciting for people and nobody wants to use it so we got to we got to try it somewhere i could definitely see a reason to deploy on mainnet and i want to deploy basically on every chain in a v2 in a later version but uh, we got to start somewhere yeah so what Obviously, you, being a Twitter personality, are going to be uh, offering up your services on ClipToDAO, but what other personalities have reached out, if you can say yet, to contribute? Yeah, I mean, um, we got uh, Udi Vertimer, you know, have fun staying poor. He said he would be on the platform. We got Spotty Wi-Fi. He said he would be on the platform. We got uh, Bob Burquest, who is a professional skater from the Tony Hawk era. He's going to be on the platform. We got Terrence Boyd. He's a professional soccer player. He said he'd be interested to be on the platform. So those are some of the people. I mean, right now, it's. I feel like until it's deployed and there's actually people there, then you never know. But those are some people that said they, they'd be interested. Wow, Bob Burnquist. That's a name I haven't thought of uh, since I was playing Tony Hawk on Nintendo 64. So it's great to see that there's individuals who are interested that are outside of the crypto space, right? Anything that we can do to bring more people into the space, like something like CryptoDAO, uh, I think is a huge positive for the space. Well, Bob, so Bob is actually, he sells NFTs. So he's a little bit familiar. And he actually created the first CryptoDAO. Um, Mycelium, one of the people that are, was helping build the project, commissioned him. So actually you can... He, he did a shout out for the Ether Rock holders on Christmas. You could check out that video. I guess I can. It's on the Clipto down Twitter if you want to check that out. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely be checking that one out. It's interesting. I didn't know that Bob Burnquist was doing NFTs. I need to go. I need to go look. Great. I'm going to have to go spend some ETH on NFTs now. He's on Tezos. He's on Tezos XTZ. So if you, I, I haven't bought one of his NFTs, but I believe he's there. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna have to. Um, I don't know if I'll spend the time to figure out Tezos necessarily, but um, we'll see. So, what what else are you working on? Creator DAO is one, correct? What's going on there? Yeah, Creator DAO. Um, this is uh, basically a marketing DAO I helped start maybe six months ago at this point. It's basically just helping projects do content marketing. So we have a bunch of content creators, graphic designers, article writers, editors, and uh, we create content for these different projects within DeFi, NFT projects, stuff like that. It's been very successful. I mean, I think, they, I think we've distributed, I don't know exactly how much, but $750,000, I think, to directly to creators. So... That means that the protocol paid the DAO and the DAO distributes those funds directly to the creators to get paid for doing that work. So I think that's pretty cool. We are very close to launching our token. We had a sale, I guess, a month ago or something. And the token, I guess it will be deployed in next month. But uh, that's, that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, that is exciting. Uh, is that token going to be deployed on Polygon as well? That kind of seems to be your focus lately. No, it's it's actually it's kind of a complex token. So the token, I believe, is going to be deployed on mainnet. It's called Brick, and then actually, you will be 
airdropped tokens on different chains depending on who the clients are. Because the token is going to be kind of like um, uh, an ohm uh, token. So what's going to happen is that part of the support that creator is going to provide is going to be able to provide uh, liquidity for these clients. So if a client pays us, we'll actually take a portion of that and basically create a liquidity black hole for them in addition to the additional content that we're creating. So the token is going to be deployed on various chains, but it's kind of like you get you, you hold the token on mainnet and then you get the, the benefits on the other chain. So I think the first chain that's going to be deployed on is Phantom, actually, because uh, we're working with the Spirit Swap. Wow, that was not the answer that I expected, Gabriel. So this isn't just an ohm fork disguised as a marketing creator economy, Dale? When we started, I mean, the fork thing wasn't even a, a question. Like, it wasn't even a, it wasn't really even a trend, but I think it, it is interesting to be able to help clients actually secure liquidity because that is a big challenge for people. And it also creates an alignment between the creator DAO and the client. Because now if you're a creator and you've earned some creator tokens for you know, working on these various projects, you are incentivized to continually create content for those projects because you kind of by proxy have um, exposure to them. It's an interesting model. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, it's kind of experimental, but um, we'll see. I think, I, think it, I think it has some benefits. Yeah, I can definitely see the benefits in having that alignment as well. Yeah, th- this sounds like a pretty exciting project. And I don't know, I think it's just kind of, it's a good project that kind of mirrors the trend of what's been happening, which is just people working in web three i think that's been another theme this year i think if i mean obviously if you look back to previous years this is the year of the dow the year of the creator economy the year of web three i don't know just what are your thoughts on working in web three in general and what do you feel like was kind of the lighter fluid that kind of drove this huge trend you know creator is a very unique protocol there aren't any other DAOs, maybe there are now, but when we started, there wasn't any like DAOs. I don't want to say there weren't any. There were very few DAOs that were v- focused on like actually providing a service to other DAOs. Most DAOs, you know, especially like a month ago, not a month ago, a year ago, it was like, okay, Ave is a DAO. They're focused on, you know, developing their product. Wi-Fi is a DAO. They're focused on developing their product. Index. It's a DAO. Index is mostly focused on developing their products. Although you also have this element of meta governance, which whatever we can get into later, but doesn't matter. But the point is that there. It's not that there weren't many DAOs that are focused on providing a service for anyone else to do some work for another particular project. So that was kind of a, an innovation in Creator DAO, I think, and the whole reason that. I think that this not this hasn't really been possible a long time because you need a lot of components in order to make something like this work. You need, you know, a multi-sig, you need the ability, you need ERC20, you need the ability to move, you know, tokens around. We also need something like Coordinate. And Coordinate was actually a key a key piece of the DAO. It was in the design of the DAO from day one, Coordinate. 
And the ability to fairly and transparently distribute funds value across people is very cool. And I think enables a lot of different types of forms of work and uh, like coordination. So you kind of have these tools that are coming together that are enabling people to work collaboratively. And the thing, you know, what's interesting is like creator DAO, for example, it's a marketing DAO, but you don't really, let's say I wanted to start a regular marketing company right now. It's very hard to coordinate with people across different time zones over, you know, different countries. How do you pay these people? You know, what currencies do they accept? You know, it's that in itself is quite difficult, you know. So having the ability to transfer funds and value across, you know, internationally very quickly is is a big driver of this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you were involved with the Index Co-op early days for a little bit. I mean, outside of just interviewing over Analyzer, which I just found out about, you also interviewed Dark Forest Capital and Verto, or also known as AG, who are our meta versus index methodologists. Like, what has your involvement been with the Index Co-op? At the beginning, I was pretty involved at the at the start of the project. I was going to all the meetings, doing interviews, creating content. Yeah, I just kind of moved on after a few months because for me, I get the most excited when something is new and like trying to build that out and i think that's for many people as well but yeah i was a silver owl i don't know if i still have that status but uh yeah i was there from very early on from pre-token even maybe no not pre-token maybe just after the token no actually pre-token you know what because i made a video about the dpi before the token came out so there you go that's right. Yeah, I remember some of my very early DeFi Pulse Index Twitter threads. I would always, I started dropping your YouTube video talking about it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Wow. It's just, uh, you know, that was just earlier this year, too. But it feels like Crazy. It feels like a lifetime ago, almost. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so what other projects have been catching your eye? Not Ones that you're not necessarily involved in. Like, what projects do you see out there that are just doing cool things or innovative things that, I don't know, you're kind of keeping track of? I'm very focused on trying to bring uh, CryptoDAO to life to, to actually make this happen. So the last two weeks, three weeks, every single day I've been, you know, focused on that, trying to move, push that forward. I don't know. I don't have any good, I don't have any good answers for that. Yeah, no, that's okay. I actually, I ask this question to most, if not all of the guests on conversations with the co-op. And I get that answer from founders who are just very laser focused on the project that they're working on. And that tends to happen, I think. I mean, there's just so much going on in the space. And if you're not keeping up with what's going on in Twitter on a daily basis, it's easy to get behind or at least feel behind a little bit but you've got to do it sometimes you got to take a break from twitter and just kind of get laser focused on what you're working on i think you know for a lot of us in the space being on twitter and working on twitter and being in the discord and the governance forums and it, that is part of your job but the main part is building 
right? And that's what you're doing with the Cliptodow. So yeah, that's that makes sense. But then take a look back. I can think of some probably misguided investments that I had made in 2021. So I just kind of wanted to get an idea from you, like what were some of your big misses uh, in 2021? Mm. That could just be like, you know, like a, a token that you threw money at or, you know, an NFT drop that you thought was going to, you know, be the next big thing. What are some of the mistakes that you felt like you made that you learned from that other people, uh, veterans or new to the space could also learn from? I think I didn't take enough profit. And I think that I held tokens too long. It's really difficult to navigate that aspect. And I don't think I, I could have done a much better job taking profit, especially as things were going up. So that is something that I reflect on. I also forgive myself because at the time that I should have been more aggressively taking profit, I had literally just had a baby. So I understand you can't be perfect, but that is something I think about a lot. Another thing that uh, probably my worst, it wasn't an event, I guess it's an investment, but I, I held a bunch of ETH in um, shared stake, which is just like a, it was just like a staking solution, right? I was, and they ended up like the team ended up being like uh, scammers essentially, and like rugging the token, and that was um, really painful. I mean, because it was just it to me, like to me, it felt oh, you know, this is safe. This is just ETH. Like I'm just responsibly going to hold this here. But if it's not, if if your ETH is like wrapped in something or like. There's no liquidity for it, then um, you got to be careful. You got to be really careful, and that's just something that I that I also uh, think about. That was also earlier. In there, so, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily consider myself a trader by any means, um, but in hindsight, looking back, there were times where certain tokens I was holding, I thought to myself this valuation is way too high for what this token is doing, right? And didn't take profit. I think that can be an important lesson for people to learn is there's no shame in taking profits. So what? You 2X'd your token, you sold, you could have 10X'd, but you sold at 2X. You still made profit, right? And, you know, don't try to chase that, but, you know, just focus on fundamentals, right? I mean, there's there's two main things in crypto, I feel like. It's like memes and fundamentals and eventually fundamentals are going to catch up to a meme right memes have the ability to spread like wildfire and really get people talking about a token but if it doesn't have the fundamentals to support it the fire that was caused by the meme will start to cool off and the fundamentals will catch up with it so i don't know Memes are just even like even if it ha- even yeah, if it ahead. has the fundamentals though like that's the thing like Kobe wrote this piece the attention economy and it so it doesn't even matter sometimes if you have fundamentals because in this space like things will blow up and then go super high and they'll go super low even if it's generating cash I I, I don't think like that's what's difficult it's it's a different mindset that I think you know I certainly grew up with the idea of Price to share. Oh, you're looking for value. But 
I'm not sure that's the case anymore. I think that it's definitely changed. It's definitely changed. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've got a commercial banking background. So, you know, that's kind of my focus too, is like, you know, cash flows, generating cash flows and generating revenues. I mean, early, even like in the stock market, once you start to look at the valuations of tech companies like, you know, Tesla and Facebook, and they don't necessarily have a lot of hard assets on their balance sheet and their cash flows might even be negative and, but their valuations are through the roof for some of these tech companies. And then I had just had to sit back and reassess like, okay, so what, what is the market valuing here? And I mean, it is the potential future cash flows of a project. I think that's what crypto tries to do also, but then crypto has like this huge FOMO element to it as well in the sense like if a project is starting to moon, there's just a bunch of retail investors who are just going to FOMO into it. And I don't know, it's just, maybe it's not necessarily like unique to crypto, but it's just, it feels like a different dynamic. I can't really exactly put to words exactly why it is so different in crypto. It does just feel different. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. That's just, just how it is. That's how it is. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. have a good answer. For yeah, that. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, I, memes are definitely important to the space. Like, and you touched on it a little bit, but like, what do memes mean to you in this space? Yeah. It, it's complex because memes are memes can may, mean many things, right? A meme could be a narrative that pushes a token, you know, very high, or and a meme could also be me making a video about. Gary Gensler, right? These, these, both these things can be memes. Um, you know, before this year, I didn't understand the value of meme, and I think that I've very much embraced it over this year. And I think it is very important. And I, I, you know, the meme, I think me being this kind of like drill sergeant or coach or trainer or something, it's it's an expression of there's something within CT that that wanted this or wants it because there's a very, there's an extreme, you know, there's an extremeness in crypto Twitter. You, you know, one day you're going to the moon, the next day you're going to the, to McDonald's. Right. And me yelling about whatever it is, still the very extreme. It's extreme. Like, you know, you got to tighten yourself up. You got to hold on tight. Like that also is a meme, like the meme of HODL. Right. I think it is important. I think it is important to embrace the meme and to to let the meme guide you in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. What are the memes going to look like in 2022, Gabriel? Like, what is the future outlook for crypto, DeFi, and the metaverse? Just in your opinion. A very easy one, I think, is just layer two, low gas fees. I think that's a pretty easy meme to get behind the real thing that i think that crypto needs is just a simplicity of use if there was a really easy way for people to engage on a much more fundamental level than having to use you know metamask and all these tools and all these apps like there needs to be a I don't know. I think that itself, the the possibility to interact, will create a, a very strong meme. Because 
right now you have to there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through taking the meme to the next level requires maybe better technology maybe i don't know yeah i think just better retail experience better user interfaces of you know things like metamask like you said like that will probably be a, a huge driver hopefully in 2020 but you know gabriel do you see yourself more as the drill sergeant or the high school football coach in these videos? <laughs> you know, what's the difference? I don't know. I, I think that sometimes I go into a video with a mindset of being like a coach, like trying to coach. I don't even know, but, but, it, but I think that it helps if you're making any piece of content that it helps to put yourself in that emotional state, right? Like, okay, right now I am this sergeant who is yelling at CT about selling their bags yesterday. Like, kind of like acting, I think. Like, putting yourself into that character, whether it is the football coach or the sergeant, probably makes it stronger. Yeah, so maybe a retired drill sergeant turned high school football coach turned crypto degen i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly do you have any other stuff that you want to touch on gabriel what are you most excited for next year that's a good question man i think the index co-op has a huge pipeline of new products that we're working on like the the gonna make it index which we're partnering with Bankless on and, and Lemonade helped put that together, uh, which is just kind of more uh, smaller cap, innovative DeFi protocols. So it's a little bit more risk on than the DeFi Pulse Index, which has been something that, you know, our users and, and purchasers of our products has been asking for. The JPEG Index is, is really interesting. If we can figure out the liquidity situation there. And then we've got like a stable quick yield index that's coming out. So... I mean, bullish index co-op, obviously, for sure. And then, man, I just think like Arbitrum Optimism, they got to come out with a, a token and just to drive that layer two growth. And then if we can just get Coinbase on board to do, you know, direct withdrawals and deposits on Polygon and, and you know, layer twos like Arbitrum and Optimism. I think that is going to be huge. I think something that we all need to look out for is that, you know, the merge is coming, right, with the beacon chain and I guess the canonical chain or mainnet. And I think there is this perception out there that the merge is going to reduce gas fees. And that's just not the case, right? The reduction of gas fees comes with layer two adoption and with sharding, which is and sharding is way further on down the line. But just the, the transition to proof of stake is not going to lower those gas fees. And when the merge happens and people come to that realization, even though it's been talked about plenty of times, you're going to get a lot of FUD from, you know, Binance Smart Chain, uh, the Avalanche uh, people, and uh, especially the Bitcoin community as well. So I think that's something, I don't know, that's just a narrative that I've tried to push a little bit lately. Um, 
but overall, just, you know, very excited, very bullish with all the innovation that's taking place in the space. You know, I feel pretty fortunate that I get to interview all these thought leaders and meme lords like yourself, Gabriel, uh, about what they think is going on in the space and just really excited for 2022 in general. And I get, yeah, do you consider yourself a meme lord, Gabriel? No. Uh, well, maybe I think you should. Those videos are great. Uh, I appreciate that. And I don't know, we've got a little extra time. So two other just kind of random questions I've had. You know, you do a lot of these videos in public. <laughs> do you get a lot of weird looks from people when you're just screaming at your phone, like walking around outside or in the parking garage? Well, Crypto Texan, what do you think? They, they think that uh, this man is completely sane? I don't think so. No, absolutely not. What does what does your wife think about these videos? What does my wife think about them? Ah, she thinks they're ridiculous. Mostly, <laughs> she's she started to make fun of them as well, which are on her own uh, Twitter, which was pretty funny. She's supportive. She's supportive. Yeah, I saw uh, one or two of her videos talking about uh, your videos. I thought that was that was pretty funny. That's a nice little cherry on top to the whole uh, Gabriel does Twitter videos saga, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that about wraps it up for us here, Gabriel. I'll just uh, give you the final word here and just where can people go to find out more about you and the projects that you're working on? Sorry, Texan, do you, do you mind if I co-opt this for, for just one second for one last question? Oh yeah, go for it. Hop on in. Thank you. Thanks so much. Gabe, good to, good to speak again and good to see you again. Gabe, you hosted one of my first, uh, or actually my first ever podcast. Um, and I remember we were actually speaking about memes and kind of like the power of them and uh, like the information density of memes. And it was interesting. I heard, I heard you recount that kind of on the Coindesk interview yesterday. Since back in the day at, at Next Week when I started, I was more like into the content creation and making memes. At this point, I've kind of transferred to more of like a executive kind of like in the weeds type of role. I was curious, if you were appointed like head of memes at Index Cube, what do you think are some of the things that we could be, that we are uh, underutilizing or that we, we could be really pushing in terms of memes right now? That's a tough question. I think the Index Cube has been quite good at these memes. I mean, especially something like unincentivized TVL. Eh, that's a good meme. That's a good meme. Man, you know, I always thought that the Index Cube should just embrace more like ridiculous types of indexes that was my position from the beginning um and i know that the dow didn't really want to go in that direction which i understand but i don't know maybe that could be but um going with the trends on crypto twitter like hiring hard rock nick to yell about index coop is a, always a good meme you know, the thing for index, I feel like the memes that you need to create are memes that are more focused on TradFi and more finance focused because a lot of your a lot of the products are not necessarily for DGENs. So like the memes are are more subtle. If, if, they're for a different audience. Yeah, that's true. I feel like our marketing is pretty, I don't know, institutional focused at times. And I feel like with 
some other upcoming projects like the JPEG index or the, you know, the GMI DeFi 2.0 innovation index, you know, maybe it's, that's a little bit, you know, they're a little more risk on maybe, and maybe a little more institutional, a little less institutional focused. Yeah, that, that's a good point too, Gabe. But yeah, thanks for that question, Lemonade. Appreciate it. And Gabriel, yeah, where can people go to find out more about you and the projects you're working on? Yeah, so uh, best place is on Twitter, um, at Gabriel Haynes. And then from there, I got a couple ads in my bio, CreatorDAO and CryptoDAO. Those are the two projects I've been involved with uh, right now. I'm spending most of my time on the CryptoDAO. So I'm very excited about launching that. It should be coming soon. And um, I hope when it's out, everyone will be able to test it out, purchase some cryptos. And that will be how the index will boost its memes via the CryptoDAO. So that's, that's my call to action. I feel a potential partnership forming here, Gabriel. All right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Gabriel, thanks for coming on the show with us. Thanks to everyone who's listening live. This is being recorded, and we will get this out published in about a week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. Thank you, Crypto Texan. I appreciate you. Absolutely. See ya. Absolutely.